And on front page with me this morning's Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor, also at the Wong Sai Wan, editor-in-chief at the Malay Mail. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, James. Good morning, folks. Now, in an effort to curb crime and improve the safety and quality of life at the uh, People's Housing Project, PPR, in the federal capital, 38 residential units have been allocated for police personnel. Um, this is really an interesting thing because I know that when I come home from work... I would prefer to just close my door and have a nap and not have to be, <laughs> I guess, handling crime and whatnot in my area. Is this a good idea, Rajan? I think it's a good idea. Any help we can get to assist the police or to keep uh, crime at bay, I welcome. And I'm sure the public at large will as well. And the, the idea is very novel. It's experimental, as we can mm-hmm. see. So there are a lot of different uh, viewpoints we're going to see about this as we progress on the issue. But yes, it's a very good idea. And I think uh, it'll help the community feel Right. I wonder how the police uh, feel about this, though, the personnel. I, I, I seriously think that the police personnel would have no problem problems with this because they are going to live there. Mm-hmm. It's their housing estate. I think what the police are and the city hall is hoping for is that their presence there would have a positive impact mm-hmm. because Project Purwan Rakyat, PPRs, are big, huge inner city problems. There's drugs there, the gangsterism there, mm-hmm. a lot of domestic fights. And they're just hoping that next door you got your Abang police staying there, you would kind of like behave yourself. Mm, yeah. The Johor police and some housing developers in Johor, what they did was the housing developers gave houses away for free for the police to set up mini police stations. Right. And crime fell tremendously in those areas. Mm-hmm. I guess the question is, is it fair for the police to be working when they're off duty, just living kind of their lives? I think here we're not talking about an eight-hour job here. We're talking worked. about melding with the community. Mm-hmm. Even the, the very fact that there are police around is enough to uh, be a deterrent in a way. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with our situation uh, right now is that everywhere there's no police around that we can really see out on the streets. Mm-hmm. So maybe the visibility will help to raise, you know, deter crime and, you know, make the community feel a bit more secure than right. they were before. Would this be a sustainable solution for crime? It is just having that boys in blue living next door to you. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And maybe that would drive the fear of life into the crooks. <laughs> right. You know? But whatever it is, the idea is not having the, the cops to work after hours, mm-hmm. but just merely living there, mm-hmm. hoping that their presence there would have a positive effect on the community. Mm-hmm. It can't go wrong. When we come back, uh, we'll be taking a look at Khairuddin Abu Hassan's statements that are fiery and quite controversial. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Dr. Wong Sai Wan from Malay Mail and veteran journalist Rajan Moses. Now, Khairuddin Abu Hassan uh, claimed that PKR President Anwar Ibrahim is unworthy to lead the country and suggested that he may go on a campaign to block his rise. He says, I, I want to remind the fools in PKR not to go overboard. Don't be insolent. This he was in response to PKR veteran Syed Hussein Ali, who had criticized Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad for not committing to a clear 
nuclear transition plan. Now, why is Khairuddin Abu Hassan making such statements despite both uh, PM and PM in waiting having agreed to pass on the leadership? I think that's a good question. Khairuddin has been around Tun Mahade for the longest of times and he doesn't really have an official position. I would like to question why it is of big interest to him mm-hmm. whether Tun should stay or Anwar should come in. I'm just wondering whether he has got a personal interest in this. Right. For all my journalistic life, I've known Khairuddin. Khairuddin is a nice man, but sometimes his motives I question. And seriously, like you said, the two men have come to an agreement. The presidents of all the Pakatan Harapan parties have come to an agreement. Why question it now? What Syed Hussein said was very simple. Mm-hmm. Syed Hussein said he was reacting to a report from the US of Mahadi speaking to some investors that he said he may have to stay for as long as three years. Yes. He never said that he was going to say three more years or that his total length of service <laughs> would be three years. I mean, this is typical tone. He leaves things hanging in the air mm-hmm. so that he keeps people guessing. I don't think Tun will tolerate being a lame duck prime minister. He doesn't like that. He's decisive. I think Khairuddin Hassan is nothing more than just trying to curry favours, hopefully with Tun, by coming out, hitting out at Saeed Ali. All right. You know, I think this guy, you know, really has no locus standi. Uh, any, the more attention we pay to someone like him, mm-hmm. the more we're going to have. Because... What he's starting to do now is muddy the waters that yes. are already very muddy yeah. right now. Very inflammatory uh, And inflammatory. And so maybe one of the best ways is to ignore this kind of thing from a guy like him until, you know, he's able to coherently explain or even for Tun or, or Anwar to make uh, comments on this. We don't need third parties to come and uh, get involved in this right. when we know very well what the situation is. Uh, very clear comments from Anwar and Mate that they know that there's a time yeah. a, loom, a time frame looming. Uh, let's have it, you know. And so anybody else who tries to do anything like this is being an agent uh, provocateur mm-hmm. for unnecessary reasons. Now, he did say the reality is Anwar is unworthy to lead race, religion and country. Does this statement carry any weight in your opinion? There are a lot of these characters that hang around politicians. I call them lackeys. Mm-hmm. And uh, the weight of their statements is worthy as heavy as a lackey gets. But let's not get involved and in, in, get, get dragged in by Kairudin's judgment of Anwar. Uh, for heaven's sake, Anwar has been out of the scene for 22 years. Anyone would change after 22 years. Mm-hmm. I do not know whether Anwar is worthy or unworthy. Does Kairudin? So I'm saying Kairudin is no person... Right. To judge Anwar. Well, I guess it's just I mean, more like drama it. for us to uh, <laughs> subscribe to. <Yeah. laughs> well, coming up, uh, Span seeks stiffer penalties. This is, of course, to do with our water that's up next. It's after Guys Next Door. I've been waiting for you here on Light. On front page, with me this morning, Dr. Wong Sai Wan, Editor-in-Chief of the Malay Mail, and Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor. And a total of uh, 372,031 consumers in the Petaling District, Hululangat, Kuala Langat, and Sepang experience unscheduled water cuts due to odor pollution at the Sungai Semenye raw water sources. On Saturday, it looks like we have, you know, been experiencing this again and again over the past few months. So what can finally be done to curb this from happening again? This is the multiple t- 
time uh, that we've had this similar issue. And the span chairman, Charles Santiago, is trying to make sense, head and toe about this whole thing. But come on, let's look at it. You know, Surely we can't have this going on and on and on for the last well, three, exactly. four, five years. So we must have an end to this kind of thing. I think the problem is that there's enforcement here that's really lacking. Uh, people are getting away with murder here. When and they it have comes access to, to these places. Yes. It's so bizarre, isn't and it? And every time people uh, in Malaysians, you know, some of them being typical, they'll sit there and agree, you know, to, and suffer through the not standing up in arms and, you know, rising up and uh, uh, raising over the matter. So I think we really need some serious uh, consumer, you know, uh, effort here. Why are we taking water again and again from rivers that are located next to development or are going to be developed. Water is a scarce resource. Stop using these rivers. I don't normally agree with nationalization. I think water resources have to be nationalized. The states have to be paid fairly. Recently, Negri Sembilan started selling water to Malacca. Selangor, we are the richest state, but we have paid for the richness because everywhere is developed. So someone's got to pay us for financing the whole country and they could pay us by pay, giving us water. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to stop. All you need is one accidental spill of a diesel, t- t- uh, an accident, right. onto Sungai Semenye. And again, we're on, onto it. Sungai Selangor, it's not somewhere deep in the jungle. It's just off Kota Damansara. Yeah. Okay? And that area is under massive development. So, my suggestion is, if you want to do this, nationalize the water resources, then everyone gets a fair distribution of it. Interesting. Okay. I think we should wave the big stick, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, we had enough of this before. So yeah. it's important that we wave the stick and get enforcement. Right. But putting stiffer penalties, would this be a deterrent? Like I said, if, if you can catch someone who purposely dumped, then yes, he should be hung. But what happens if it's a road traffic accident? These rivers are by the roadside mm-hmm. and a car plunges into it and spills everything into, into the river. What are you do with the guy? Mm. So what we should do is stop taking water from this kind of rivers. I know very expensive concessions have been given out. Nationalize the water resources, trade it off at, at, at a water exchange, and so that everyone gets the equal share of fresh water. Have we forgotten that we spent billions building this tunnel to connect clean water from Pahang into, into yes. Slango? What has happened to that? Is it not supplying enough water? Right. Now, coming up, Penang's smoke-free plan has drawn ire. We'll see how this will affect tourism in the state. That's next after Passenger Let Her Go here on Light. On front page with me this morning, veteran journalists Rajan Moses and at the Wong Sai Wan. The move to turn Batu Fringi into a smoke-free zone has drawn the ire from business operators along the popular tourism belt. I wonder how you both feel about Penang going smoke-free. Uh, what are your thoughts? Okay, before I start, I want to declare I'm a smoker. Okay. Okay? And this kind of decision upsets me. Do I not pay tax? Mm-hmm. Do I not count? I agree that the smoke that we emit stings, probably kills, uh, but do we not have a right to smoke somewhere in a corner? I have got nothing against smoke-free areas, provided you treat us right, give us smokers a corner somewhere Mm -hmm. to kill ourselves. Oh, oh, goodness. I like to warn the Penang government, the present eateries ban on smoking Mm -hmm. has affected businesses. They have have to just look at that. Now, it will affect Penang. If right. you do that, yes, people will still come to Batu Fringi. 
instead of spending five hours there, they'll spend 20 minutes there and rush off out of Batu Firingi to get a smoke. Mm. Your thoughts, Rajan? Saiwan Sa- sounds like a, a really gung-ho hawk here <laughs> on this matter. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I, I have a big differ a little bit here. Yes, I agree, you know, smokers have a place if they want to do what they want to do. But there are designated areas. Plans. Uh, there are hotels where you know they they have off limits. Yeah. yeah. So uh, given all this, I think there are enough opportunities mm. here for smokers to you know uh, find relief uh, where they are. When we take over uh, smoke-free areas, what a difference it makes! I'm a reform smoker, by the way. Okay, you know, so I'm you're no longer smoker. smoking. Stop, I've stopped smoking for mm-hmm. a long time now, but it gives me comfort when I'm there that I don't have all these uh, trappings, you know, that make it difficult mm. for me. Like even eateries, you know, I mean, you go and right. sit there, you know, and somebody smokes behind you and, uh-huh. you know, you'll well, you get it. start feeling it. But, you know, as Saiwan said, it has affected um, businesses where restaurants, you know, uh, have this no smoking ban. How is this going to affect tourism in the state? Look, I mean, it's not only here where these affected business. Uh, you remember our rules where you can't smoke Otherwise, six feet away from uh, ten feet, eateries, feet, ten feet, yeah. So it, it's there. No, but see, the thing is, the plan by the Penang State Government for Batu Ferengi is that you can't smoke in the entire Batu Ferengi area. They have not thought it out. There are no plans to have a smoking designated area. Mm. I'm not saying that they are not in their right to ban. I'm saying you want to ban, find a place to smoke. If you're going to do the entire Batu Ferengi beach area as a no smoking area, then I think very soon Batu Ferengi would be very easy to access for everyone else. I, I totally agree with you, Saiwang, on that one. Mm-hmm. The fact is, if you find proper places for them to uh, use the, what they have to do, then it's fine. But, you know, if you don't have opportunities for smokers to... Then uh, the impact on business and every, it right. muddies the waters. I'd just like to ask, if I have a house in Batu Ferengi, can I smoke in it? <laughs> Good question. That is a good question. (laughs) Well, coming up, it looks like 26 banks will stop charging extra fees for conventional banking. We'll take a look at that headline after Richard Marks and the traffic update next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Dr. Wong Sai Wan, Editor-in-Chief at the Malay Mail, and Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor. And 26 banks have agreed to stop charging fees for conventional transaction at their branches nationwide. This is following outrage from consumers who said the practice was unfair. I guess, you know, you can look at it many, many ways. Banks make money two ways, from you depositing, from you withdrawing, and now they want to do this. Your thoughts, Rajan? Yes, I I, I mean, look at uh, what the bank's doing. Every 50 cent, if you add on to million, we're talking big bucks here that uh, banks are minting in the name of a little small charge that looks like a small charge. Uh, I think the fact that the uh, consumers who, w- who woke up and started uh, questioning the banks about that and getting them to agree uh, to withdraw the charge is a really good move for consumerism. Uh, good for ethics, good for saving. It's not the small money, 50 cents that you're paying mm-hmm. month, but the principle of it that you don't, you know, uh, where banks don't just whack you on many different ways that they can. Our banks are actually very obedient. They don't try to be too clever or adventurous. They just make money. 
I wonder if someone else was behind this and not the banks alone. Well, who governs the banks? It will be Bank Negara. But Bank Negara is very silent on this. Mm. I'm just wondering if Bank Negara had somehow given the wrong messages to the banks to start charging. I, I look at this as originally when I saw this, I said, okay, this is another effort by Bank Negara right. to kill the current account as it is. They wanted to stop checks. So the best, the best way, make it more expensive to use checks. Right. I disagree, Rajan. 50 cent a check is not small. It's not small. I agree. Because uh, one checkbook is about 24 pages. If you multiply that by 50 cents, it's quite a lot of money. And you go through about five checkbooks a year. I believe there is something like 2 million current accounts in the country. So you multiply that, it's quite a hefty sum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, our banks really don't need this kind of money. Except for two smaller banks, all the other banks report profit in the billions. Right. They should really be looking at, you know, giving better deposit rates to consumers, you know, who are very piddly uh, rates for many of our our but this is also to encourage people to use e-banking facilities, which actually, once you get the hang of it, it's no, but no, that, that, that is why I'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm. whether this was a bank decision or the banks were told to decide this way. And don't forget, you also got the r- urban and uh, rural deft here you know, on this matter. Because not everybody in the kampong is going to be able to do electronic banking the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, it is a real, real issue. That has to be addressed properly. Yeah, if the banks want to charge 50 cents, then maybe they should make internet available FOC to their customers in areas not service. Same page, man, on this one. That's a good suggestion, Saiwan. And uh, thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us this morning on Front Page. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Shaz. Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and Atta Wong Saiwan, editor-in-chief at the Malay Mail.